The scripture reading today is taken from Micah chapter 2. Woe to those who divide wickedness and work evil on their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in the power of their hand. They covet fields and seize them and houses and take them away. They oppress a man in his house, a man in his, and his inheritance. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, Behold, against this family I am devising disaster from which you cannot remove your necks, and you shall not walk holily. For it will be a time of disaster. In that day they shall take up a taunt song against you, and mourn bitterly, and say, We, utterly, we are utterly rearing. He changes the portion of my people, how he removes it from me. To an apostate he allots our fields. Therefore you will have none to cast a line by lot, lot in the assembly of the Lord. Do not preach, thus they preach. One should not preach of such, such things. The grace will not, disgrace will not overtake us. Should this be said, O house of Jacob, has the Lord grown impatient? Are these his deeds? Do not my words do good to him who walks uprightly? But lately my people have risen up as an enemy. You strip the rich robe from those who pass by, trusting with no thought of war. The women of my people you drive out from their delightful houses. From their young children you take away my splendor forever. Arise and go, for this is no place to rest, because of uncleanness that destroys with a grievous destruction. If a man should go about and utter wind and lies, saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink, he would be the preacher for this people. I will surely assemble all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the remnant of Israel. I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture, a noisy multitude of men. He who opens the branch, breach goes up before them, they break through and pass the gate, going by it. Their king passes on before them, the Lord at their head. This is the word of the Lord. When I was uh, in the seventh grade, um, I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. Um, you know, surprise, seventh graders do something they're not supposed to do. I, I did something I wasn't supposed to do. My, my mom had made arrangements for me to go uh, to be picked up after school at West McDowell, uh, at the time junior high, West McDowell Junior High, and she made arrangements for me to be picked up at school um, by uh, my two great aunts. I had the two great aunts, they were twins, and um, they did everything together, so they were gonna pick me up after school. But I was faced with a seventh grade dilemma. Um, be picked up at school by two people that you know you love, but you just really didn't think they were that cool, right? And on top of that, if you go back to their house, there's nothing to do. Um, and in the meanwhile, I found out that uh, my cousin was going to be picked up from school that day. I think sometimes maybe he rode the bus. He was going to be picked up from school that day. So found out he was going to be picked up. So um, I just decided on the, on the fly, hey, I'm going to go home with him. That was before the days that you, you know, I didn't have a phone at the time. I, I didn't, I don't think, I think cell phones existed, but not like they do now. So I couldn't like text my mom and say, hey, I'm going to go home with them. Well, what ended up happening was for about an hour, about one hour, I found out later that my two great aunts had stayed there at West, walked up and down the area that kids got picked up from looking for me. 
Went back to my cousin's, didn't know that was the case at the time. Went back to my cousin's house. I was excited. I was having a good time. And then all of a sudden I got a call. Um, They got a call and I was put on the phone. So I was like, what's this going to be about? And all of a sudden heard, I'm on my way. And that was my mother um, who said that. And I immediately fell to my knees and began praying that I would live. Um, No, I I, I knew right then this is not going to be good. My mom came and picked me up and uh, she took me home and she said, later tonight, you're going to get it. And I was like, why can't you just do it now? You know, why do I have to wait? And she said, uh, she said, do you realize, do you realize that your two great aunts, they, they, they looked for you, didn't know where you were, looked for you, walked up and down that parking lot for one whole hour. And she did her best and did a good job of making me feel the weight of what I had done. She said, so here's what's going to happen. In a little bit, you're going to get it. So a few hours later, after I had time to think about it and worry, um, I didn't get a spanking. I got a whooping, all right? Y'all know the difference? Anybody ever had a whooping? Anybody ever had one? All right, a handful of y'all. Everybody below like 16 is like, nope, don't know what that is. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, had a, I had a whooping, right? She, she was like, Adrian, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And I'm like, stop telling that lie. It is not true. Because I'm going to tell you, this is just a side note, like she, she usually used a switch. Anybody ever had that happen too? All right, so this was a switch, but she had perfected the art of not just like hitting you with it, of like, of like this, it was almost like this revolving, going back and forth on your legs. And it was like, it was, it was this painful, you had to watch it, she wouldn't let you not look up from it, so you had to watch it. It was ridiculous, and I think that's what I got that night. Um, all that to say, I had, I had done something I wasn't supposed to do. She had informed me, Adrian, you're going you're gonna to ride home with them. And I had made my own plans, deciding I was going to do what I wanted to do. And thus, I received punishment. Um, that's uh, in, our, in our text today. We're going to find out that that's exactly what Micah is talking about. The title of this sermon, as, as most old school Baptist preachers would love this with all the alliteration, deliberate disobedience demands divine discipline. Say that two times fast and it would be doing a good job. But deliberate disobedience demands divine discipline. You see, um, when, when, when you do something you're not supposed to, punishment occurs. And then you do something, the higher the level of transgression, the higher the level of punishment. And that's where we find um, the time that Micah is preaching and ministering in. Because of the military and political success of King Uzziah, before him, there was economic prosperity. And along with that economic prosperity brought two social classes. You had the rich merchant class and then you had the poor lower class. And what thus began to happen was the rich merchant class began uh, taking advantage of the lower classes. Micah 2, as Bill read for us, says that they were uh, taking land from the poor. They were seizing homes. They were taking the inheritance of kids. Kids, the only thing that some of these kids had was what was going to be given to them later in life. And, and that was just being snatched right out from under them. This wasn't like an enemy taking the spoils of war. This was your brothers and sisters that you were robbing from. The people of Judah were robbing from the people of Judah. It says that they were also taking advantage of the sojourner and the foreigner. The people who passed by, passed through their land that they were supposed to take care of, they were robbing. Instead of being hospitable to those people when they came into contact with them, they took whatever they could because that's what they wanted to do. 
the text says that they were, they, they had, uh, they were taking, it says from, from women, they were taking the homes of women and these women were most likely widows with no way to take care of themselves. And the rich classes, the rich merchant class was just coming in and robbing right out from under these people. That's the time that Micah finds himself in. And our first truth this morning is what Micah is gonna to begin to tell them is what deliberate disobedience actually is. Deliberate disobedience is bad enough to take advantage of less fortunate people. Right? We would all agree that's, that's not a good thing to do. It's even worse for two reasons. The first one is that this goes entirely against God's law and commands. The people of Judah knew Exodus 22, 21, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him for you were once sojourners in the land of Egypt. The people who were robbing from these other people knew they were supposed to be hospitable. Exodus 22, 26 and 27 says, if you ever take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering and if his cloak and, and it is his cloak for his body and what else shall he sleep? If he cries to me, I will hear for I am compassionate. People of Judah were supposed to show compassion to their neighbors. Exodus 23, six says, you shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. In other words, don't take advantage of people simply because you can. And this is what the people in Judah were doing. God's law and commands say that you are to take care of those around you. People in need, the less fortunate you care for. And Micah is saying, these people's hearts have grown so cold, they care about no one else except themselves, despite who they have to hurt. The second reason why this is not good is because they were deliberately committing these atrocities. They were planning it. They were scheming it. Look at verse 1. It says they would lay on their beds at night and devise these wicked ways in which to take advantage of the poor. They would come up with these schemes at night, devise these schemes and think, how can I rob from these people tomorrow? And then when they woke up, because they had the power to do it, they would then go and rob from them. They began devising these ways they could commit this evil. It wasn't as just like, you know, you've walked up on a bad situation and you end up choosing the wrong thing. That wasn't the case for these people. They were planning how they were going to rob from these people. They were planning how they were going to carry out their evil. They planned how they were going to directly, deliberately go against what God had told them not to do. And that's because the natural result of doing something deliberately is that you begin to reject the truth. When you do something over and over and over, you know that there may be consequences but you just begin to reject that idea. You reject the truth, or maybe these people, they didn't, they didn't, we know that they didn't think there really were consequences. The people Mike is prophesying to fall into both categories. They chose to keep doing what they were doing because they liked it so much, but they also didn't believe that any consequences were gonna happen. And they said, we're part of Abraham's family. We're, 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 part, of, we're, we're, we're the, part of the Israelites. We are, are part of God's people. Nothing bad is going to happen to us, Micah. Stop talking about it. This was their mindset. And when this became their attitude, here's what they did. They allowed only those people who thought like them, did like they did, and speak like they would speak. They only allowed those people to speak truth into their life. 
Why? Because when you are deliberately going against what God has commanded for you to do, you find someone who agrees with you and you allow them to speak into your life. Verse 6 says that, um, that they, they tell Micah not to speak of this potential discipline. We don't want to hear about anything bad about what we're doing. We like what we're doing. If you keep talking about it, it's kind of cramping our style. We don't want to hear it. We don't believe that any consequences will happen for our actions. So Micah, kind of in a very sarcastic way, says in verse 11, the kind of preacher fit for you would be the kind of person who tells you exactly what you want to hear. This is deliberate disobedience. Choosing to do what you want to do simply because you want to do it. And this attitude, though, has its roots somewhere. You, you don't simply do what you want to do without having an underlying attitude. And the underlying attitude is the wrong view of God. See, in chapter 1, we heard last week that these people had replaced their love for God with love for idols. And now in chapter two, they have rejected God's commands in place of their own desires. See, because having a wrong view of God will result in a wrong view of his word. These people had lost their love for God, which meant they had no love for others, which meant all their love was for who? Themselves. All their love was for themselves. Everything they did was for their own happiness and success. This was a, a, a self-absorbed culture. How, how will this benefit my life? I'll do whatever I need to do to be more successful. It's my life, I do what I want, and I should get what I want to get. This is the kind of culture that Micah was speaking into, and it doesn't sound much different than the culture we live today. Whatever I want, I get. Whatever brings me success, I'll do it. I am the most important person in the world. This world is about me. I get what I want. Your happiness is most important. Don't let anyone tell you it's not. Your success is more important than anything else in the world. And then when we begin to believe the lies from outside, we begin to, to put people around us that make our acts and make the things that we do feel justified, even if it means we completely tune out the truth. It's easy to say it sounds like today, but let me ask you this. Does it sound potentially like you? Do you live as though you're the only person in the world who matters? Instead of having uh, relationships, you simply use people to get what you want. People are your tools. Are you willing to sacrifice what you know to be right for the sake of your own gain? You're willing to, to say, yeah, I know this could be wrong, but I like what the outcome is going to give me, so I'm going to do it. Are you continuing in a path of sin at the sake of hurting those you love most? People you love all around you are saying, stop, don't do that, and you continue to do it. Or perhaps there's part of God's word that you're not, in, you're not into because you really just don't like what it has to say about an area of your life. So you think that your life is, and God is, your view of God is that he is to bring you happiness. So if his word kind of contradicts an area of your life that you like, you just tune him out. You're, you think God's word is confining to your life. But you see, deliberately disobeying God is not like back talking your boss. It's looking at the creator of the universe and arrogantly saying, I do what I want, stop telling me. That's where the people of, 
of Judah we're at, and that could be easily where some of you are this morning. So if you're there, if that's you, if you are deliberately saying, I don't care what God says about this, I want to do what I want to do, Micah's word and the word this morning for you is simply repent. Repent. That means to stop what you're doing and go a different direction. Repent. If you are knowingly and intentionally committing sin because you want to do it, repent. Another thing that you can do as, as a believer is show hospitality. The very thing they weren't doing that they were supposed to do is show hospitality. Hospitality is any action taken on behalf of another person to help them, whether it's physical, uh, emotional, spiritual. Because as Christians, you know who the people are who's gonna show God's kindness to the world? Us. There's no other organization. There's no other uh, uh, entity that is gonna show God's kindness through the gospel rather, uh, other than Christians. We're the ones who are supposed to speak into a world of injustice. For you students who are in the room, when you see someone get bullied, when you are seeing that happen, Will you stand up for that person? Because who else will if you are not going to? Or maybe you see someone at your job and, and, and they're just being railroaded, like they're being taken advantage of like crazy. Will you stand up for that person even if it means it may cost you something? Because the people of Judah knew a life they were, that God had had showed them to live but they weren't doing it and it brought our second truth this morning deliberate disobedience demands divine discipline Micah tells them of their impending discipline <clears throat> the discipline for lack of love for God and the injustice being done wasn't just a slap on the wrist their punishment wasn't just going to be something simple God was promising an epic destruction of huge proportions God was promising something huge to happen to them and for their continued disobedience, God was going to take them out of their land. He was going to give it to their enemies and he was going to make them slaves. They were disobeying him. He was going to take them out of their land, give to the enemies and make them slaves. Maybe you sit here and you say, Adrian, that, that, that sounds a bit rough. It would, unless we didn't, unless we realized <clears throat> that for years, Hundreds of years, God, through his prophets, had been saying, turn back to me. And the people of Judah and Israel continually, continually chased after idols and chased after their own desires. So see, God is patient. He's, he's slow to anger. He's not willing that any should perish. But when he calls time and time and time again, he's got to get his people's attention. And that's what he does here. Parents, you, you know this well. You, you know what I mean when, I, when I'm saying this. Uh, you have your six-year-old and they disobey you. The first time they disobey, you may just give them a little bit of a talking to, right? You may say, stop doing that. We're not gonna do that anymore. The second time, you may give them time out. The third time, you may spank them. And then after the fourth time of your six-year-old doing that, you kick them out of the house. No, no, you, you, don't, you don't, don't do that. This is not parenting advice. But no, it, what, what do you do? Every single time that your kid, whether they're six, whether they're 18, how, however old they are, what do you do? Whenever they continually do the same thing, in order for you to get their attention, the punishment has to be a little more severe every single time. 
And see, this, this uh, wasn't just God having this flippant temper tantrum. God had seen his people for years turn away from him and he was saying, I'm gonna do something to show you what you were supposed to do. God promises that those who are oppressing, those who are living in greed and arrogance will suffer a time of disaster where they will not be able, they will not be able to continue on in their proud sin as they were. They'll be slaves and they'll not be able to hold their heads up high in arrogance as they do now. Because see, they were, they were so arrogantly doing what they wished that they thought nothing honestly was gonna happen to them. I'm gonna keep doing this. I don't think it's gonna bother anybody. I know it hurts a few people every now and then, but I'm gonna keep doing it because I just don't think anything bad's gonna happen. That was, that was what was going on here. Micah says that when calamity comes, you'll not only be ruled over, but you'll be mocked. You'll be, you'll be taunted. Your enemies won't simply look at you and say, yeah, we've defeated you. They will taunt you the entire time. You see, God is promising that those who disobey him and oppress their people will be oppressed in the same way. And that the fields they took from the poor will be taken from them just like they took from the poor. God says that as the people whom you take land from now cry in misery, you are gonna cry in misery. You want stole land from people? I'm gonna take it right back and give it to your enemies. You see, here's the deal. The people who were deliberately disobeying God, they hear this message from Micah, but they choose not to listen. They hear it, but they choose not to listen. They hear what he's saying in verse six, but they actually say, don't preach to us. We're tired of hearing it. Stop preaching to us what God is saying. Instead, we wanna hear something else. So they chose not to listen to the judgment that Micah was saying was gonna happen. You know what, even though they chose not to listen, you know what didn't ever stop? The judgment. See, a little over 100 years later, after Micah prophesied this, Judah goes into captivity to one of his greatest enemies. They chose to do what they want. They rejected God's word, believing that there will be no consequences. But despite what they believed, the truth was they still suffered the consequences for their actions. See, they didn't want to be held accountable for what they did. They didn't want to be held accountable for their actions because they enjoyed them too much. So let me ask you that. Do you want to be held accountable for those things that you do? Our, our culture doesn't, right? Our culture doesn't want to be held accountable for anything, but the fact is that we're, we're going to be held accountable for those things we do. Are you choosing right now to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend because um, that means more to you than standing in confidence before a holy God. Or you are choosing to, <clears throat> to cheat on an exam so that you'll pass because your personal success is worth more than being honest before God. Or maybe you're willing to, to just lie a little bit in your business because the bottom line means more to you than your integrity before God. You may be saying, wait a second, Adrian, are we talking about legalism or any kind of work salvation here? And that's not what we're talking about at all. This passage is not about how to be saved, but there's a stern warning to anyone who is choosing disobedience or choosing their own way. Because see, these people knew the law. The people of Judah knew what was right in God's eyes and they were choosing their own path instead. 
They were choosing their own path and God was telling them of their impending destruction. And you know what? The scariest earthly discipline that God can give you and me, Romans 1 shows us. The scariest discipline that God could give you and me is simply what we want. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. Verse 22 says, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. And then verse 24 This is God's judgment of the people that Paul is talking about in the New Testament. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. See, if you do something for long enough and you choose and say, I I don't care about God in this matter. I'm going to do what I want. The Bible says, according to Romans 1 24, that if you choose that and you continually walk that direction, God will say, all right, go for it. I'm showing you a way here. I'm showing you the way that is going to lead you to freedom, is going to lead you to salvation and going to lead you to something much better. But if you want that, go for it. You're the one who wants it. And this morning, you may be sitting here and you're saying, hey, there's no big deal. Everything one day will be good. I'll eventually stop. I'll eventually change that thing that I'm doing. But right now, I'm enjoying it too much. What you're saying is that you have no regard for God's commands because you are blatantly choosing your own way instead of his, thinking everything is okay. And your warning could be right now today. Or maybe um, you say, what's God really going to do to me? The answer is, I don't know. But if the creator of the universe has given me a way in which to live my life, I don't want to find out what his discipline is. Because Hebrews uh, 12, 6 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastises every son whom he receives. In other words, if you're God's child, if you are God's child and you are wayward in sin, he will do whatever it takes to make sure to bring you back to himself. Whatever it takes, he'll do. This may be uncomfortable for some of you, and that's the same way that Micah's audience felt. Verse 6 and 7, they say, I wish he would stop saying these things. This is my paraphrase, because we feel disgraced and embarrassed. So Micah, just please stop. And Micah says, if you were doing what was right in God's eyes, my words wouldn't bother you. And then just like that, Micah switches gears. Verses 1 through 11 share of the discipline and the disobedience that the people of Judah were doing and the discipline they were going to receive. (laughs) And thankfully for them and then thankfully for us, there's a verses 12 and 13. Because he says, Israel, you've chosen your own way over God's. You're bringing destruction onto yourself. But even then, even then, right here we see the gospel. The hope that Micah presents is not merely that God's people will be brought back from captivity one day. That's not merely what it is, but instead that they will be delivered from what, uh, bound, from what binds them. And the person who delivers them, his influence won't just be this, this earthly kingdom, but his influence will extend to the ends of the earth. 
And he will bring security to those people who are his. Verse 12, God promises to save a few, a remnant, and he will make them like sheep in his pasture. Even in the midst of Israel's sin, God is acting graciously. Even in the midst of what they are doing, God is still showing them grace. Verse 13, it says that there is one who opens the breach. There's one who opens the breach that has enclosed these sheep. We can call that person, the text literally means he's the breaker. We call him the breaker. He's the one that breaks open away. The sheep which are bound by this enclosure, he breaks them out and they follow him out as king who brings them out of the captivity that they're in. What's interesting about this passage, notice that it says that, that the gate is broken. Why? Because if you're on outside of a gate in which something is enclosed, what do you do to open it? Just that, you open it. If you're inside the gate and you've got to get out, what do you have to do? You've got to break it. You've got to break it in order uh, to get out. And that's exactly what happens because this king who breaks out of the gate would be one of the Israelites, Jesus himself, who became God in the flesh and who will lead us out of the sin that binds us. That's what Micah is prophesying about. Jesus becomes the ultimate breaker. You see, yours, your de- deliberate disobedience and mine brought God's discipline, brought God's judgment, but just not ultimately to us. What makes the gospel so good is that mine and your sin and mine and your disobedience brought God's punishment, but instead of giving it, giving it to us, he gave it to Jesus. You see, Jesus walked to his destruction Being placed on a cross, he he died the death that you and I were condemned to die for our sin, and he took our punishment. Jesus is the breaker who has set us free from condemnation. He set us free from eternal damnation. He's the one who broke the curse of sin. Jesus paid for our sin. He crushed the head of our enemy. He rose from the grave. He restores our soul, and he leads us as king and Lord into his eternal kingdom. This this is who Micah is prophesying about. He completely destroys the barrier. Jesus completely wipes out the barrier between sinful humanity and a holy God. And he makes a way for you and I to have an everlasting relationship with God. This is what Jesus does. He has established an eternal kingdom that he continues to build and he wants you to be in it. He wants you and I to be in it. Those of you who are already in it, he wants you to help him build his kingdom. See, because his kingdom is not this earthly kingdom that has these property boundaries. His kingdom are God's people all over the world. And those of you who are confined by your your sin or your, your guilt or your anxiety or your shame, he breaks open a way for you to be free from those things. You see, Jesus became the ultimate and Jesus is the ultimate breaker. See, because there are some of you in here this morning and you are dealing with a situation that you never thought you'd be in. Maybe it's a diagnosis that you heard that is just crushing you. Or it's a family member who has turned away from God and away from you and you are so crushed by what has happened in your family. Then where the hope is, is that there's a king who has crushed the head of our enemy, sin and Satan, and he will one day wipe away every tear from your eye. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you've suffered injustice. You've been bullied. You've been abused. 
You've been wrongfully accused. You lost your job because somebody did you wrong. You've got to know that you have a king and leader who will one day make all wrongs right. Know that God's word also is always good. Micah told these people this, God's word is always good. There is never, ever an advantage to going away from God's word. There's never an advantage. Or maybe you're in here this morning and you have yet to receive the gift of salvation that Jesus is, that Micah through Jesus is laying out right here. He is extending to you that grace that forgives all wrongs. God's love uh, was extended to you and I so much so that he would destroy his own son so that you and I could then be forgiven of our sin. And he's extending that gift to you this morning. So what we're gonna do in a moment, the band is gonna come, they're gonna lead us in a song. The song, we, we've already sung glory in the highest. As we sing that song, you have the opportunity to worship this king who has broken open away for you to know God. You worship him in faith, praising him for what he's done. Or maybe this morning you, you need to, to come and, and pray because there's someone who, who you're burdened for. There's something you need to confess, something you need to give over, or maybe this morning you need to know the Lord Jesus and you can know him for the first time this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you love us. Despite our wrongdoing, despite our disobedience, you chose to love us, chose to continue to pursue us so much so that you would give your own son Jesus to die for us. Holy Spirit, as you stir in hearts and minds, I pray that you would show us areas of our life we need to repent and confess. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, do your work in your way, in Jesus' name, amen.